guys, 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 hi, hi, hi. Um, if you're here and you've found your way to Undesign the Grind in this very first episode, um, one, like, yay, I'm so glad that you want to talk and that you're listening and I hope you're well. I am doing this because about a week ago, I put up uh, an article on LinkedIn about my experience having stress-related health issues, to put it like really shortly. And I got a lot of feedback from friends, friends of friends, people I didn't know, who all were saying that, boy, did they relate to these stories and the health issues that I'd had and, um, you know, the challenges of doing you know, a kind of deconstruction of who you are and figuring out how to move forward, that it's it's hard to find a straight path from, you know, back to yourself again, or a new version of yourself. And you would know a lot of the comments that I got, and the, I think like the main reason I decided, you know, my, wasn't my original intention to do a podcast about this, but um, it, the word brave, was given to me a lot in terms of like, oh, it's very brave of you to put that post up or brave of you to share so openly your story. And that worried me. Um, and, and here's why. So I hadn't thought about that aspect of putting that post up. And since then I've definitely thought about it a lot. And now I'm actually nervous talking about this, but that's not how I want to feel about it. And the reason I think people are saying it's brave is because we don't necessarily feel safe sharing the fact that we're not at a hundred, like 110% of our capable abilities or our, you know, performance goals or we, whatever it is like that we're struggling or that we don't feel well, or, you know, that we're tired, um, or that, you know, we've, we've actually had something happen that is preventing us from, doing what we used to be able to do. And I just, I'm really lucky to be in a place where brave feeling like I needed to be scared or fearful for my job about this ever enter my mind. But I know that that's not the case. I, I clearly know that's not the case for so many people out there right now. And I think it's a chance, you know, if you don't feel safe talking about it, well, here's someone that you can talk to, or here's a podcast you can listen to and nobody has to know about it. Um, you can just listen in your headphones silently and have somebody tell you openly like about, well, about my story, about what I've been through and about how I'm, you know, figuring it out, what I figured out, what I'm still figuring out. And that's that's really what I want Undesigned the Grind to be. So, um, yeah, this this series, you know, if it ends up being 10 podcasts or 200 podcasts, I don't know. But uh, really, this is going to be me unpacking my journey of recognizing that I really needed to change everything about how I approached my life and how I derived my own sense of self-worth. And, and, you know, I think maybe because I'm inherently a problem solver, I am a designer. 
um, when my body decided that, you know, we're, we're done, we're done with the old way of doing things and you don't get a choice in this anymore. You don't get to just ignore this anymore. Um, we're, we're going to stop and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, this is what I want to share with you. And, and really like when it comes down to it, I think this is just about learning to be a human being and share what it's like to be a human being. And, you know, I know I'm not alone in this. I certainly like I'm, I'm sending like all the like good vibes out there to anybody who is struggling with this and doesn't feel like they have someone to talk to about it or can't be open about it. That's, that's really what this, this is for. Um, so I'm going to be talking about, you know, all the aspects of the journey, which for me, um, it included physical health, it included mental health, it included rethinking, you know, philosophies that I had lived with and acted upon for decades. It's going to, you know, it got scientific, it gets into, you know, the nature of the universe and quantum physics. And then maybe the hardest hardest part for me to share about this is that it was there was also a spiritual element to all of it and at least for me in my industry you know i work in technology like spiritual stuff is not necessarily an embraced topic um so i'll probably wait to like share a ton of that with you but just so you know like that that's a part of it for me um but the biggest part of it has been having people who helped me, whether those were, you know, people who were on similar journeys or medical practitioners or alternative medicine practices, or, you know, just people who were different than me and looking at life in a different way. It was absolutely life-saving for me to find these people and spend time with them and continue to like open my mind up to different perspectives and new ways of thinking about things. And um, that was as important as all of the, you know, physical health stuff. So yeah, I think that's what this podcast might end up being about. We'll see how it goes, Um, but let's just dive right into it. I'll share my story. I'm definitely going to have people on here to share their stories. But in the past, if, if you know me personally, um, or you know my other podcast, AI Zen with Andrew and Jen, because I can't stop titling things with rhymes, um, or you know the book I wrote, To Be Brave, like, or you just work with me and you know how I write. I'm not a very necessarily personally open person. I'm going to be the opposite of that on this little show here. I'm going to tell you all the things and all the feelings and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge for me for sure, but I think it's, I hope it helps. Okay. So let me get into how, how I got here by starting with, my background and what I do. So um, I started working as a designer professionally when I was 19 years old. So that was in 1998. And I have continued in that field now for almost 25 years. And my beliefs, my mindset behind my career was work hard get things done. And if that doesn't work, work harder. 
and get more things done. And that, for one thing, like that served me really well. I got a lot of things done. Like I know that the success I've experienced in my career has a lot to do with just how hard I worked. Um, but I also have to recognize like how that, that belief system also hurt me. It turned my, my inner gauge for my self value into, you know, how successful was I in my career? And that wasn't necessarily, you know, measured by money or measured by awards. It was definitely measured by how happy are the people that I'm reporting to with the work I'm doing? Um, how am I doing compared to my peers? How am I doing compared to my friends? It was just like, it was all very, you know, it was competitive to be honest. Like, even though I'm not like competitive in sports, I'm not competitive in games. I was definitely competitive in terms of my career. And when I felt like I was failing at that, I didn't have like anything else to tap into because I hadn't explored any other part of myself. I had not given myself permission to find other facets of my personality outside of work. Like everything I did was about this is this is going to make me better at this work thing that I do. So if it was, you know, and I've, I have had conversations with friends, um, with my husband about this years ago, where I was like, I don't understand why you have hobbies. Why are you doing something that you won't be the best at? That you're not making money at it. You're not gonna, you know, become, you know, internationally acclaimed best hobbyist for this thing. You're just doing it. And that didn't, that really didn't make any sense to me. But I also always knew that that, that was a miswiring in my brain. Um, so I think I started really thinking harder about that just before the pandemic started. So 2020, like early 2021, um, and wondering like, how come I can't have hobbies? Like, how come I don't enjoy anything but, you know, getting up in the morning, grabbing my computer, working literally without a break hour after hour after hour on end and then going straight to bed like that was that was completely fulfilling to me and it was also completely exhausting and mentally unhealthy and i knew that um because of how i was physically feeling and how i was physically feeling was um exhausted to the point of not being able to do the other things in my life, just like basic care, like get up and eat a sandwich, Jen, get up and take a shower, um, do some sort of like movement or exercise. Like I, I had really worked myself to the point where my calendar was absolutely full from 8 AM to at least 6 PM at night. And then that was Monday through Friday. And then I would crash all weekend and I had constant headaches. Although I've, I've had constant headaches like my whole life, but it was getting much worse. Um, and I knew that I was like, I was begging for a way to change. Like I was definitely in 
the year leading up to like my major health event, trying to figure out like, how can I take a break, but not lose my income or lose my job role or disappoint my boss or let down my team. Like I just, I, my physical self, my mental self was my absolute last priority. And I was begging the universe literally for a lifeline. And I kind of, <laughs> you're not the first person I've said this to. I've said this to doctors, but I kind of feel like I asked for it. Like I was really emotionally putting it out there, like some help. Like I have, the one thing I was doing was throwing money at the problem. Um, in some ways it's a good habit of mine. Like I always believe there are people out in the world who know how to fix something better than you and they're there for you. And you know, whether it's a therapist or it's a doctor or it's a whatever, a coach, um, find people that know more about the situation than you do and, and pay them to help you. It's worth that money. But I wasn't, I was paying them to help me, but I wasn't doing the work. I wasn't really hearing what people were saying to me. And in my situation, it was, you know, I was, I was doing Pilates twice a week for an hour at a time with a personal trainer. I had a therapist I was talking to about things. You know, my doctors were telling me things. I just thought going to those things was enough. And it, it clearly wasn't because um, September 23rd, I remember I had had a really long day at work. I was working from home. It was during the pandemic. I was home alone. It was five o'clock that I had my Pilates workout with my coach uh, over Zoom. And we were doing, this This workout was really hard. I remember thinking during the workout, I'm like, oh man, th this is tough. Like this is gonna be one of those workouts where I'm gonna have to vomit at the end of this. And the way I had approached life and working out, I was like, good job, Jen, like you're about, to die, you physically feel sick from this. Keep going, you can do anything for 15 more seconds, you can do anything for 30 more seconds, just keep going. Um, anyway, we got through the really hard part of the workout after like 40 minutes and then we were doing like some stretching on a Pilates reformer to cool down. And the last thing I remember was my trainer telling me over Zoom like, grab, put your feet in the straps of the Pilates reformer. This is like the best part of Pilates is like putting your feet in the straps and stretching your legs out. Um, and I kept telling her my feet are in the straps. The reality was I was holding the straps with my hands, not my feet. <laughs> and I was like insisting to her, yeah, I'm, I've got the straps on my feet. Why are we not doing the things that we're supposed to do? I know how this goes. You and girl, we've been working Pilates routines for like four years now. I know what to do. Um, and, and so that's, that, that's probably the last thing I remember is insisting that I was right and she wasn't hearing me or seeing me properly. Um, what happened after that was, okay, so me not understanding that my feet weren't in the straps, that was the first sign of what eventually was diagnosed as a stroke. Um, but what was immediately obvious was, um, and I only know this from uh, my Pilates coaches telling me the story afterwards, was that like 
She's like, I thought you know your chest started heaving and I thought you were crying because you were frustrated that you didn't understand what I was telling you, but then your whole body started shaking and that's when I knew you were having a seizure. So my seizure for me, I never had one before and it lasted three, I think about three minutes. Um, and I remember waking up, laying down on my Pilates reformer, but I was so tired. I And I could still kind of like, kind of like when you hear like the television on, but you've fallen asleep on the couch and it's kind of like echoey in the background. It doesn't make sense. I was hearing that, but it was my coach still on Zoom um, talking to... 911 responders trying to get them to my house. Um, and I what I was interpreting it as was, oh shit, I fell asleep during my Pilates workout. I feel so bad, but I think I just need to go get myself upstairs and lie down. I couldn't open my eyes. I like tried to sit up and it was so hard. And I sat up and kind of like leaned over. There's this bar that's about like if you're sitting on the reformer, it's about chest height. I just kind of like collapsed over that. And I know I fell asleep again for a while. And I woke up again and laid back down because I just like, I did not have the energy to get my legs like onto the ground and like moving me up the steps into bed. Um, okay, so that was the be the like official beginning of this for me. The unofficial beginning would be me knowing like I got to change some things and doing little things like talking to my, um, you know, regular doctor, like, Hey, I'm just like really tired all the time. Do you think you could fix that? And being like, no, that's just like your age. That's normal for women in their forties or talking to a nutritionist for three months and her end result being like, I think you're really stressed. That's why you're having, you know, all these health issues and me being like, I am absolutely not stressed. This is just how I feel. And I meant it because I, I had literally never felt any other way than that. Like the feeling is like your, your guts are tight, like all the time. And I just didn't know that that wasn't a normal thing. Like you could, you could relax for some period of time and that was okay. So anyway. Um, after the seizure and the stroke, um, literally the next day I was, which was a uh, Friday. Um, first of all, I didn't think anything major had happened to me. Like I knew I'd had a seizure, um, but I was, you know, literally telling, texting, slacking my team being like, Hey, I'm in the ER, but I'm totally fine. I might be a couple minutes late to like our first morning meeting tomorrow, but I'm fine. And my husband and the ER nurse being like, girl, no, I think you might need to take at least tomorrow off. Um, and when I woke up the next morning, I was like, hey, maybe I'll just indulge myself today and take today off and see if I can find like, I knew I needed to go see a neurologist. That was like the one takeaway from the the emergency room visit. Um, so spent all weekend, like all that weekend, like trying to find a neurologist who would see me. Finally found one, got a bunch of MRIs and CAT scans and all these things done. And that's after that, that's when I found out that it was a stroke. Um, 
but I, I had convinced, not convinced, but I had talked my way into being allowed to continue to work that week. So stroke happened Thursday, looking for a neurologist Friday through Sunday, Monday back at work, um, telling my boss on the grounds that like, Hey, no, this is like, after a, a major neurological event like this, your brain is in like a neuroplastic state. Like you were when you were, you know, two or three years old. So this is great for me. Like I can learn all these new things and absorb all this new information. And like, maybe I'll be able to solve our problems and challenges better. And my boss being like, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, but I was insistent. And I did work that week, um, I think, every day realizing more and more that, like, I my brain could not follow the calls I was on. I couldn't, like, I was forgetting words. I couldn't communicate what I wanted to communicate. Like, I just wasn't myself. And I was more exhausted than I had been before. Um, anyway, so finally, like, by the end of that week, I was like, okay, I think maybe I need to take a little little bit of time off and the for me like the longer i was off the more my body insisted that i stay off um i had a ton of guilt about sleeping and at the time like when they put you on and if you have a seizure that that that's that long um they put you in anticonvulsants and anticonvulsants basically they're there to stop all the electrical elect activity in your brain. That's why it's hard to think on them. Um, and it can take a really long time for your body to like physically adjust to this type of medication. And for me, what would happen was I would take my anticonvulsants that would cause me to sob for 30 minutes, like immediately, and then pass out for 17 to 18 hours. So that's what I was not willing to admit that first week on anticonvulsants after the seizure, after the stroke. And the more I tried to ignore the fact that like I was exhausted, the more exhausted I got. So got to the end of that first week, called my boss, said, look, I think I need some time to heal. He's like, oh, really dipshit? <laughs> of course you do. Thank God. I was about to like send, you know, people over to take your computer away from you. Like you're done. You don't have anything to worry about. Please go rest please heal. We are here. I will keep you posted. I will take care of your team. Everything's fine. Okay. So that, like, that just put me immediately into tears again. I was like, oh my God, this is like, uh, I can't believe I have to do this. I'm so sorry. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then, and then the journey of like, how do I rest began? And I really couldn't, like, I was so wired about work and stress and winning and pushing like and I had so much guilt about sleeping um even though I was sleeping 17 hours a day anytime I would wake up I was in an utter panic and anytime I went to sleep I was like just dripping in shame um and that I think that happened for like three months I wasn't getting better I was I was like a baby again, honestly, like I, my husband fully had to take on like caretaker role at that point. Like he was figuring out like 
what pills I had to take in the morning, what pills I had to take at night, talking to my doctors, uh, making my food. I wasn't allowed to like drive. I wasn't allowed to take a bath by myself. Like I was on, you know, the doctors had everybody on high alert. Jen is just down and needs like full on care. And I, I didn't want to accept it. Um, but three months of it, I finally gave up because I wasn't getting better. And it was, uh, giving up is really hard. And I think probably the most important moment of this whole story for me, um, giving up is when I started to get better. Like I stopped, I just stopped worrying about work. I stopped worrying about how it looked that I was sleeping for so long. I stopped worrying about the fact that like, I couldn't do anything on my own. And I'm a very independent person. Like I have pretty much lived by myself since I was 19. Um, I take care of myself. I earn my own money. Like that being dependent on someone was extremely uncomfortable for me, but that's what I needed. And once I, okay. So once I stopped fighting it and I just let myself sleep, I would see big jumps in improvement. So like, I'd go like a month of being like basically bedridden. And then one, the next week I could walk a mile. And then like a month of like, I can walk a mile once in a while. And then suddenly, um, you know, I can have a two hour conversation with people like I used to. So it was just like, you know, big jump and then plateau and then like big jump and plateau. And even like on those plateaus, there would be two steps back, but it was always basically the trend of like forward progress. And like I said earlier, you know, as like my brain loves solving problems, just love like a puzzle, trying to figure things out, get answers. If you follow me on Medium, you know, like most of most of the stuff I write about related to my job, which is artificial intelligence and design and technology, like it's kind of breaking down like really big ideas into consumable problems. Um, and consumable answers even better. That's how I started approaching this. And that meant understanding, like doing all the research, like what's a stroke? What causes epilepsy? What, you know, what do these meds do to me? How do I undo it? What have other people experienced? So I definitely got into like research mode. And that's when I started, you know, that is the, I think the first time I started telling anyone that this had happened to me. I mean, outside of like immediate family, my, my parents knew, um, maybe like one or two close friends knew, but I, I get the, like, you don't want to talk about it with other people. Not only did I not want to talk about it, I physically couldn't talk about it. So that was like helpful, um, in terms of oversharing at the time. But once I did start talking about it, I, you gotta like, and maybe you've experienced it, but you tell one person, you're like, yeah, you just kind of like dip your toe in the water. Like I, you know, I had a thing happen and, you know, I've kind of not been at work for a while. And they, if they, if you found someone without knowing it, that has had similar experiences or know someone that's had a similar experience. It's like you tap into this secret society, um, people that, you know, but you didn't know this about them. And maybe another friend tells you like, Oh, so-and-so 
also had a stroke or so-and-so hasn't gone to work in like three months. And it's like, it's, it's in that voice, right? Like, don't tell them I told you, but maybe you should reach out. Okay. So I should, I should have probably, if I had been able to, I probably should have started this podcast right then, but we're, that's, <laughs> that's a big warning sign, right? Like people don't want to talk about this. It's definitely on the down low. It's hush. But that was like critical to me getting better was finding connections that I could talk to openly and be like, eh, like Kepra makes me cry like a baby. And like, what do you mean I can't drive a car? I'm like a, a full ass adult. What is this about? And like, what do these MRIs mean? Like, okay, I was really lucky that I tapped into my secret society, both friends and friends of friends that started talking. And that is how you start finding out like, what did they find that helped them? And then you start testing the waters. So all kinds of things. Like once I started having those conversations, all kinds of things um, came up to me. Like, and I, this is all like, I turned that LinkedIn post into a Medium post and I will document all of this because maybe the biggest uh, reason I wanna do this is so that this path to finding what makes you better again, whether that's mental health or physical health or spiritual health or, you know, philosophical health. There's no, there's no like one website I can point you to. It's conversations, it's trying things out, it's searching stuff, it's going down rabbit holes. But I think, you know, at least in, I'm lucky to be in the position where I'm not ashamed to share it. I wanna share it because I've now met so many people I care about that are going through the same thing. So this is all going to be on the medium page. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll talk about it here. Like the things that really started helping me were craniosacral therapy, which is really about learning to regulate your nervous system. Um, at, you know, cognitive behavioral and EMDR therapy, where you start, like for me, the, the trauma was the fact that I realized my whole identity was tied up in work. And if, I was really facing the possibility of not going to work like that. Just that shattered me into a million different pieces, way more than like the anticonvulsant Kepra did. It was crazy. I couldn't even say the word work or say the name of my company without bursting into tears. Could not talk about it. So therapy, huge. Like let's let's unpack that and figure that out. Um, and then finding doctors that literally weren't telling me you're faking it you are making this up because you want paid time off you are a delusional woman and that happens to women in their 40s really sorry that your husband has to go through this that's a whole different story but finding doctors that listened to me um and did all the tests and all the information um and then pulling back and learning how to be an advocate for myself and and listen to all these different voices that were telling me things and then say, you know what? That works for me. That doesn't work for me. This is how I'm gonna, you know, try making things better this month. And I'm in control of what goes in and out of my body, what I feel, you know, my brain is ready for, um, how, 
I want to push myself. And that was all, this continues to be like a whole mind blowing concept for me, for someone that's so independent and like, so, uh, you know, naively confident in the knowledge I have that I use to like move my career forward when it comes to like understanding my own health, my own body, my own emotions. Like I had never taken ownership of that. And that has been a huge change. And it's like a really like fun, exciting change. And I want you to know, like you can get there. Um, and it's important to get there because I have four different neurologists. Each of them has a different opinion on my health and what's happening to me. And at the end of the day, it comes down to me and I'm betting you might have similar experiences, whether that's, you know, doctors or therapists or whatever. Um, anyway, so that's what I wanted to start this podcast off with is telling you a little bit about why I wrote that medium post and posted it on LinkedIn and why I'm, you know, one, like so grateful that so many people supported me in that and reached out to me um, and shared their own stories and things that have helped them already. And that I really want to make this a place that you feel safe and you can ask questions and tell you that I believe you when you say you don't feel right, you think things could be better, you don't know where to go. Like, like I said in the beginning, like no one has to know that you're listening to this podcast. You can just put it in your ears and, um, you know, send me questions. I'll try and answer them as best I can. I'm not a doctor, not an expert at any of this. I'm just a person who's going through it. So um, anyway, that's that's the update in the background on where I am now and why I'm doing this. And I'm going to keep doing these things until I feel like I've told you guys some valuable stuff. And I hope that you, again, are like that you're trying and that you're staying curious and that you're staying positive. And um, thanks for being here. And we will talk again soon. Bye.